Hey friends, welcome to the His Beloved of Texas podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Kendra, and we're two moms that live across the street from each other. And between us, we have 10 kids. We live life together, have fun, and we just want to share that with you guys. We are so glad you're here. On this podcast each week, we think everyone needs a little bit of hope. And we want to tell stories of hope, of how God has changed people's lives. He's shown up in good times and in hard times, and and He can show up for you too. All right, we hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to the His Beloved of Texas podcast. I'm Megan, and I'm so glad you're here. So we are in the middle of a Lenten series about prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, and we have a really fun guest for you today. It's kind of in the middle of prayer and fasting. So you know that Chris Kinder's husband is a youth minister, and he has been training youth ministers for quite a while now, and he's not just any youth minister. He's really good at what he does, and today we have... The man on the podcast who actually showed him um, how beautiful youth ministry can be and was part of his calling towards youth ministry. His name is Jim Beckman, and he was Chris's youth minister as a kid. Isn't that adorable? And he calls him his youth ministry dad. Jim lives in Oklahoma City with his family. He is the director of evangelization and catechesis in the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City. And the reason we wanted to have him on today is twofold. One, he has been doing some heroic fasting over the last few years. And Kendra calls it heroic, and he says, no, no, I'm not heroic. <laughs> but I think it sounds pretty amazing. He's done Exodus 90 several times. And one that he said is even harder than Exodus 90 and makes that one look like a piece of cake, which to me sounds impossible. Um, but he shares with us some of um, what he's learned through fasting and what God has revealed to him. Um, he's very, very open and honest about his intimacy with the Lord and his prayer life. But the part that really got me was near the end. Please hang on for the end because it's so good. He talks about an amazing event in youth ministry that he did one time called Night Fever. And every time he said that, I kept thinking about Night Fever, Night Fever, (laughs) but it's not like that. (laughs) And it's this beautiful um, event with Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament and evangelization and a miracle that occurred. So you don't want to miss that, I promise. All right, guys, I hope you enjoy. Hey, guys, welcome back. Hi, how are you, Megan? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. <laughs> Today we have an incredible guest. His name is Jim Beckman. Hi, Jim. Hi, it's great to be here. Good to have you. You're all the way in Oklahoma, right? Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. Home of the thunder. Oh, <laughs> I was born in Eden, Oklahoma. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Haven't been back ever. No clue what it looks like. That's okay. Enid, Enid or Eden? Enid. Enid, yeah. Yeah, it's just north. Is it? What about about an hour and 15 minutes north of here? Well, that's yeah. good to know. <laughs> yeah. So Jim Beckman um, was brought into my life via my husband, Chris, and um, he was actually my husband's youth minister in high school. Was it junior high too? Oh yeah. Yeah. Junior yeah. high and high school. I, I would have met him probably when he was in seventh grade. Okay. Okay. So I've heard incredible stories of you know, serious, beautiful, heart-wrenching stories, funny stories, but um, my husband officially has dubbed you his youth ministry dad. (laughs) (laughs) Your your husband is the one who I can blame for this rumor that has gone all around the country that Jim Beckman is the Yoda of Catholic youth ministry. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty good title. He, he, He introduced me once when I was speaking at something 
and said that about me. And then it's just kind of like gone all over the place. Now, everywhere I go, people introduce me now like that. Oh, that's so funny. Please stop. I don't want this to continue. (laughs) That's a good title. That's good. That's good. So Jim, you want to share a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm, uh, uh, I work here in the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City, married to my beautiful wife, Meg. We have five kids, a uh, huge transition time going on in our life. Our oldest, our oldest just got married this past October. Uh, and then all of our kids are kind of emerging, you know, either in college or coming out of college and emerging into adulthood. So uh, we're, we're in one of those kind of fun, but, uh, surreal phases of life where you just are watching all this change happen in front of you sure but all all beautiful and uh you know emotional all at the same time right well i'm sure i'm sure that sounds like a lot to handle i'm not ready ready to even yeah i'm not even ready to think i'm still i'm still with my jaw drop that i only have five years left with my oldest in the house both of us so any any wisdom to depart with in those last five years what 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 can we definitely not well you're you're past the the, the phase that I, I tell parents with young kids all the time you know because they're usually overwhelmed and you know like uh, you get the kids to bed at night and you just veg in front of a tv for an hour to just try and recoup your life of what you feel like you just lost you know and i i always say to parents of younger kids like oh man enjoy these moments because the days are coming when they're going to be uh, taking just as much energy, but you have no control over anything. <laughs> you're, you're sitting up, you're sitting, sitting up at night with a phone, holding a phone in your hand, uh, you know, just praying that they all come back home safe. Oh, and uh, you, you just have no control over anything that's going on, right? <laughs> wow. wow, yeah, not ready, not ready. Are you ready for some questions? Absolutely. All right, so going with the, the Yoda thing, I'll start with this one. Star Wars or Marvel? Ooh, that's hard actually i don't know I, I think i'd probably have to go star wars though marvel would be close behind yeah <laughs> i'm a fan of both yeah well good um do you have a favorite saint i have a lot of favorites oh, i'm sure I, I think probably um peter saint peter would be my probably my favorite mm-hmm. uh, i identify with him a lot because he he was a leader but constantly put his foot in his mouth and didn't, <laughs> didn't seem to know what he was doing, which is the way that I feel about 90% of the time. <laughs> right. That's too funny. Yes. Um, if you could indulge in anything, and I'm asking this because I know that um, you've been doing some heroic fasting, if you can indulge in anything and not have any consequences and it, you know, it would be okay with fasting, what would you indulge in? <laughs> oh, wow. Boy, these are good. These are good, hard questions. It's a good question. Um, I, I think right now it would probably be anything with dairy and cheese and stuff like that because I'm I'm going through this kind of extreme fasting thing with my wife where we're not doing any sugar, any dairy, any cheese, uh, and any grains actually. So probably probably potato chips, you know, <laughs> corn corn potato chips smothered with cheese. That's probably what I would go for. <laughs> Um, so like I said, you have a great relationship with my husband. And so I did ask him for some input on these questions. Um, and he wanted me to ask you this question. 
because you were always so great at jumping in, playing games and, you know, kicking teens butts at those games. <laughs> a lot of times like <laughs> ultimate in basketball. At what point did you realize that the teens would be better at playing those games than you? Transition like well, I, I, I think I went for a long time in this illusion that I was actually as good as them. <laughs> like probably, probably one of the, the best moments we were, we were in uh, Europe for one of the World Youth Day events. I, I think it was the Rome, the Rome trip maybe. Um, but we had played an ultimate Frisbee game with a group of people from another country. Like we didn't even speak their language, you know? And so wow. we, we were all trying to navigate this ultimate Frisbee game. And one of the teens, Chris would have been on this trip, uh, but one of the teens, Ryan Burnett, um, when the game was over, we were all sitting there and everyone's panting for breath, you know, trying to get something to drink and, and uh, catch their breath. And Ryan didn't know that I was sitting right behind him. And, and so he's telling everybody, he's like, Jim was guarding me. And he said, when, when, when we first started playing, I was so intimidated, like, what, what am I gonna do against him? And then when I realized that he couldn't run and couldn't jump, <laughs> Like I punched him from behind, you know, like what a jerk. I come sitting right here, you know. <laughs> I feel like you are in that transition right now in your life. I am. <laughs> I so am. This like collegiate volleyball player over here keeps trying to play all these like really intense sports and hurts herself every time. Last time it was um, capture the flag. Capture the flag with our kids. Yes. <laughs> Not going well. I re-injured my foot. I broke my knee playing tennis and in my head, I'm still this you know, healthy, vibrant. Yeah, exactly. Person. Like in your, in your mind and the way that you think about yourself, you can yeah. do all of these things, but then yes. you, you literally can't, you know. Yeah, it's very sad. <laughs> it's very sad. Um, so that's a great youth ministry story. Let's keep going with that one. Biggest youth ministry fail. <laughs> oh, hands down. Uh, we, we did an activity at one of our youth nights where you had all the kids write their sins down on a piece of paper and mm -hmm. then at some point during the night, they brought them all up and put them in this big pot in the middle of the room. And then the idea was you're supposed to burn all of the sins, uh, which I did, mm -hmm. uh, but never thought that I would need to put something under the pot <laughs> to prevent it from burning through the carpet. Oh, no. So at, at the end of the night, when the fire was out, and um, which we successfully navigated without setting off the sprinkler system or the fire alarm. That's what I was, that's the whole thing I was worried about was how yeah. do we prevent that from happening? So that at the end of that, we're cleaning everything up and I go to pick up that pot from the room and I literally couldn't get it to come up off the floor. And I'm like, the pot is stuck to the floor. And, uh, you know, so we pulled on it, pulled on it, pulled on it. So eventually it comes up and like literally there is a black spot burnt all the way down to the cement through the oh. carpet and two layers of padding. Oh my goodness. Um, How much I, trouble I knew, did you get in? I knew I was in dead trouble then. Well, actually <laughs> we, we found this little, like a octagon shaped end table that was over in the corner of the youth room by some couches. And we moved it out into the middle, right over top of the hole. And it was at least a month before anyone in the maintenance department ever moved that table when they were vacuuming and saw the hole. So I, so I decided I wasn't going to tell anybody until, until it got discovered. And uh, it was awesome because it was, it was like so long afterwards. I didn't even remember it anymore. You know, yeah. it was like, who burnt a hole in the carpet? 
I love that you just covered it up. Like my, yeah. that's, I, I did the same thing. My first year as a youth minister, we were doing a big, I think it was a Taze prayer service mm-hmm. in, and I needed to bring a crucifix down to the Taze prayer room. And I found this crucifix in the church office. And I swore up and down, it was the one, it was a huge crucifix, like three feet tall. And I swore it was the one that we used on Good Friday as the veneration mm-hmm. to kiss the cross. I don't know where I got that in my head, but I thought it was. And I put it in the back of my van and it fell over while I was driving and Jesus broke in half. Oh my gosh. Like he was broken <laughs> and I was terrified. So I just put it back in the closet. <laughs> I tried to push his arms back together and his body. And I just sat there and I thought, okay, I've got three months until Good Friday, until somebody figures out. I never, I never knew what happened. I never told anybody. Oh, that's so but funny. Somehow, there was a new, now. there was a different cross on Good Friday and I was not in trouble. <laughs> and apparently it was some old crucifix that they weren't using anymore, but that's I was so terrified. Jim, are you familiar with flash paper? Oh yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of the story too. Do you know what that is? So I, I do. Yeah, you do. Okay. So Chris showed it to me. It's paper that, you know, you light on fire and poof, it's gone. And so I was planning we for, doing- for mobiles and fishes camp. Yeah, I was doing a little session and I thought it would be great for the kids to write, you know, something they're struggling with on a p- little piece of flash paper. And then they go and they pin it to a cross, the wooden cross. And then <laughs> we would light the paper and it would just poof, be gone. But they were like, um, they looked at us like we were crazy. We don't need to have burn a cross. I think some <laughs> kids are going to go home and say, <laughs> we're there's some shady it's people. It's a fantastic idea. And they're like, we really can't burn crosses. We can't burn a cross. Like, okay. okay, sorry. We'll, 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 we'll find a new way to do we're that. We're a little that's too excited. <laughs> so. Oh, so that's it for fun questions. Good job. You survived. Yeah, you did. Good job. We could keep rolling all night on that one. Yeah, it's <laughs> pretty fun. So um, I'll start with you, Megan. Okay. What is God doing in your heart right now? So um, this question is always fun because it's like, what is he doing since last week, right? Yeah. Like it's not, doesn't always have to be like some huge momentous aha moment, but just like, where is God right, right here and right now? And uh, Kendra and I have been doing a um, middle school girls group. And it was so funny because we decided we wanted to do this. We thought we would have like maybe three or four kids. And now we have 21 little girls that are coming and sitting in our front lawn every Sunday. So we've done three weeks now. And this week it was about, well, last couple of weeks, actually, it's been about like lies that the enemy tells you and hearing the voice of God and being able to differentiate between the two. And I'm sitting here listening to Kendra teach last week. And it just hit me that like, I have been under some attack lately mm. and I didn't even know it. And I fell for the lies. Mm-hmm. And I think it's always funny when you're in the middle of ministry with children or teens and it's like, I get more out of it than they do. Yeah. You know, like that children's lesson spoke to me more than it spoke to them. And it was God saying like, you are right where I've called you to be. And the enemy's trying to pull you away from what's good and beautiful. Don't let him like put up that wall, yeah. believe in, in what I've called you to and keep moving forward. So mm-hmm. it was a good good like moment of being just washed over with peace. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. That's so great. Jim, what about you? What is God doing in your heart right now? I've been reading a book, I don't know, probably probably about four, three, three or four weeks now. Uh, It's called conversion. Uh, And it has a really interesting concept about um, a second conversion that happens for us typically later and later in life, but not always. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that that's what 
that's what's been probably moving in me more than anything these days is just f feeling like there's been a bit of a spiritual kind of awakening you know mm -hmm. uh, in, in, in a really good way where I feel like God's drawing me deeper and um, probably, probably started actually uh, a little over a year ago, may, may, maybe a year and a half ago now at, on the Feast of the Sacred Heart when I read, a, I was reading the Magnificat meditation for that day and I, I forget who the writer was, but it was, it was talking about how before the cross, the soldier that lanced the side of Christ it opened up a door mm. that we could now enter in. Mm. And all, all of the times that I'd ever thought about the, the, you know, being before Jesus hanging on the cross and, and even the soldier lancing his side, I, I, it was always on the outside of the cross with stuff coming out of his heart, you know, the blood and the water coming out of his heart and maybe even washing over me. But anytime I would ever pray about that or have an image of that scene, that was always what I experienced. But something about reading that meditation that day, it was like the first time I'd ever thought about Jesus wants me to go in there, not just be out here. And um, so that, that I, I think that was probably the beginning of this, whatever God's doing right now. Um, but this, this, it's been really fruitful and good and um, that is, yeah. Well, you know, the weather is finally nice. Snowpocalypse is over. We had a beautiful weekend of sunshine and cool breeze. And I finally have been able to get my hands in the dirt and um, pull weeds and garden. We're building a garden in our backyard. And today I raked leaves, you know, to put into the garden. And, um, and I was just delighting in how he is in all the small things you know, how I just need to rake the leaves that fell from our trees to put into the garden to feed the plants and the worms and all of that stuff. And, um, and, and there's been some other moments in this week as well, where I've just seen him in the small things. And it's just so beautiful. I just think our God is um, the most beautiful poet that mm. I've ever come across and, and just his poetry is everywhere. And it's just so nice just to sit and rest in it and to, to watch him move. So beautiful. So, um, Jim, you spoke about prayer and fasting and this Lent, we have been really trying to focus on stories that, you know, correspond to prayer and fasting and almsgiving. And, um, Chris has shared me so many stories of, um, experiences that you've had with other youth, um, with, um, different programs that you've done where you just call people forth into deeper prayer lives into more bold prayer lives. Um, but also you have been participating in some pretty heroic fasting. Um, so I'm just going to pass it over to you and just let the Holy spirit work. And, um, where do you want to start first? <laughs> well, I, I would want to clarify for any listeners. I, I don't know if I would call what anything I'm doing heroic. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I'm, uh, like, and, and, you know, again, this is kind of connecting to what, what God's just doing in my heart. The, and it has been like a year and a half or so, just kind of one opportunity after another. And I, I suppose the only thing that I could credit myself for is saying yes mm -hmm. to the invitations, right? Um, but 
the the fruitfulness on the other side of some of these things has just been so beyond anything I could I could have ever imagined. But what what's fascinating to me though is for years I had convinced myself that I couldn't fast. Hmm. I mean, like this has gone all the way back to just out of college. Yeah. Uh, when we first started having kids, you know, and and right around right right after our marriage, I would fast and I would get these really bad headaches. Mm-hmm. And I have some different food allergies, and I, I get headaches from certain things that I eat. Uh, sometimes migraine headaches, and I, I would get a really bad headache close to a migraine whenever I would fast. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it, it's just been when, when then within the past couple of years here where I was meeting up with one of these groups of guys and we were all talking about our fast the last week and and i just said i i I really struggle fasting i get really bad headaches and so i i fast in other ways you know like and one of the guys in the group like just looked at me and he said dude everybody gets a headache when they fast we're not eating (laughs) it was it was was just like and this guy you know that's like 20 years younger than me but it was just a way that he said it yeah. That was just so in my face, you know, like you wimp pansy book. What are you talking about? Uh, he goes like, so you're going to stop fasting just because you get a headache. You yeah. <laughs> I was kind of embarrassed, uh, but challenged all at the same time. And yeah. Uh, so anyway, I, I've started fasting again, uh, but now have been doing things like fasting for 48, 72 hours. And wow. Um, and I, I did like, actually, once my body accommodated, like the headaches have stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and like, part of me is like, so, uh, you know, just kind of kicking myself like that all of these years, you know, I've, I could have done much more, but wasn't because I had just given myself kind of a, uh, this little allowance, you know, because of, because of the inconvenience that I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's been a major theme, I think, for me. Uh, during this time is we have so much more that we can give. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the vast majority of us are, you know, we, 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 we tend to grow comfortable. And I think particularly as you get older, mm-hmm. um, you have all kinds of ways of rationalizing and justifying, you know, well, I've got all kinds of other suffering in my life, you know, like I got to pay bills and I got to pay college tuition and I got to, um, I, I got to manage all of these kids and I got to take care of all of these responsibilities. And, you know, like I, I can't even handle the stress of fasting because I'm so stressed out with everything else. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, so we, I don't know, we just have these kind of little mental things that we play with ourselves that mm-hmm. we give ourselves permission to be easier and lighter and um, how refreshing it was to have a young person, you know, young compared to me. Yeah just be so straight up with me like that. Like, yeah. dude, come on. Everybody gets a headache. Me fat. That's funny. Uh, I, mean, I feel like so. I've said that so many times, like, well, I don't do well with fasting or I have a lot of other things. We have a lot of suffering in our lives right now. Like I totally understand yeah. that. What allowed you to move past that point? Was it through prayer? Did you, like when you started to feel those pains again, how did you keep moving forward? Well, I think I, I took that and again, it was like a mix of embarrassment and challenge <laughs> all up together, you know. Um, but I, I took that to my prayer. And I, I had been having this experience pretty consistently where I kept sensing the Lord saying, I'm inviting you into my heart. 
and mm-hmm. I'm inviting you to come nearer to me, you know, mm-hmm. deeper and further in is what he kept telling me. And uh, the more and more that I had experiences in prayer where I was in his heart, um, I started sensing the burdens there. Wow. Um, sorry. Oh, that's okay. Oh, sorry yeah. But that, that's what motivates, I think, the desire to, uh, his, you can't get into his heart without experiencing the suffering heart. Yeah. So. Wow. So in scripture. It, I, I'm sorry. I, part, of, part of this is I'm 55. My kids are all becoming adults. And I, I literally cry at everything these days. I don't understand. I keep saying to my spiritual director, like, what is wrong with me? Like, I, I can't talk about anything without starting to cry. St. Thomas Aquinas cried all, cried all the time. Really? Yeah. Well, that's what he's told me. He said, St. Ignatius of Loyola, St. Thomas Aquinas, were like there's numerous things written about them, about how they cried all the time. I'm like, he's like, you're in good company. I was like, oh, great. (laughs) It was one of his charisms that whenever he was in front of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, he immediately had tears rolling down his face, which is amazing to me because I think of him as this like tough intellectual and I cry all the time around Jesus. So, hey, it works. (laughs) I I think, um, it's nothing to apologize for or to hide. Cause I think it really just shows the depth of your love for the Lord and, um, mm-hmm. and just, you know, awakens us to the fact that you are deeply in love with him and, and what you're mm-hmm. speaking into is real and authentic. So, and what's beautiful is he like one of, cause I've had this experience numerous times in prayer where I start to get overwhelmed with mm-hmm. all the burdens that I start to become aware of. Mm-hmm. And it does motivate a lot, uh, you know, like I just, I want to join, okay, what can I do to, to join in this suffering and, mm-hmm. you know, the fasting and praying more and offering up other sacrifices and stuff becomes a big part of that desire. But he, it, it's always this beautiful experience of him saying, I don't, I don't want you to take these burdens on. I'm sh- I'm only sharing them with you so that you can be a, be a part of my heart. But like, I, I don't need you to be burdened by them. Mm, um, wow. I'm, I, I'll carry the weight of the burden. I just want you to join me, you know? Wow. So I'm just going to make an assumption here that you have had a, a close relationship with the Lord for a very long time. I mean, you jumped into youth ministry, pouring into young people. Um, but it sounds like the fasting piece didn't come in until a couple of years ago. Is that right? Well, I, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I've always have had you know, like I would fast in different ways. If that okay. makes sense. Like I, I would fast by not having condiments or, yeah. you know, I, I would, you know, do very plain things or okay. would do no bread or no sugar or, yeah. you know, but, but it, ra- rather than a full out uh, fasting. Yeah. So I've, I've done that kind of stuff for years. Okay. Um, but I would say this more intentional uh, approach to fasting is something that's kind of new and, or, you know, or it's definitely resurfaced for me in these last couple of years in a way that's been really powerful. Okay. Well, I asked that because I know in scripture, majority of the time prayer and fasting go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to, to see how the fasting element has um, impacted your prayer life, impacted the spiritual side as well. Like has it elevated? Well, it? yeah, I would say immensely because, mm-hmm. um, 
and th this would be, you know, that what, what I said earlier about like, we, we all have so much more to give. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the reality of God is that he has this incredible capacity to meet every single one of us exactly where we are. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's not going to demand more of us. Um, well, he, no, he doesn't demand from us anyway, but he, he's not going to expect more from us than what we're actually able to give. Uh, but he always wants to stretch us, you know. So he, he has this amazing capacity to meet you where you are, but he loves you, you know, too much to leave you there. Mm. So he'll, he'll come to us wherever we are, even if we're distant from him or, and far away. But the minute that we allow ourselves, you know, to be arrested, you know, in our attention to be grabbed by him, he doesn't stay there. He, he, he immediately is moving and wanting us to go with him, you know, um, like you, you think about the, the disciples, you know, as he walks along the shore of the Sea of Galilee and he's saying, come follow me. Why did they drop their nets and, and run after him? Because he'd already left, <laughs> right? Like he, yeah. he, he said, come follow me. And then he just started walking away yeah. and they're looking at each other and they're looking at their dad and they're, they're looking at their nets and they're like, we, we, we got to make a decision because he's already, you know, half mile down, down the shore. Uh, and they're, they, they drop everything and they run after him. Like every encounter with Christ is like this for us. E even as we grow older and get later in our conversion, at every moment that he encounters us, he's never wanting to leave us wherever he meets us. He's wanting to take us where he's going. Mm -hmm. and, and that requires a certain abandoning and surrender to being led there, you know. Yeah. And the beautiful uh, reality, though, is you you can never outdo God in generosity, right? Right. So if you're willing to fast a little bit more than you have, if you're willing to pray a little bit more than you were, if you're willing to give a little bit more than what you were before, what he gives back to you is just so much more than what you gave mm -hmm. uh, that it, it it really is like this beautiful uh, cycle of fruitfulness, Um because for, for everything that you give, you get more in return. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So diving into prayer a bit, um, tell me a little bit about the program that you did to invite people in to learn how to go out and disciple and to pray over people and just to be, be witnesses. Yeah, well, there's a, a series of discipleship camps, uh, that, I mean, they're, they're, they're actually happening in different cities. So I, I was probably the one of the common denominators. I, I was helping different dioceses do ministry like this. And mm -hmm. it really kind of grew out of a conviction of, you know, years and years of doing things like Steubenville conferences, mm -hmm. which are beautiful and powerful and typically led young people to this place of conversion. Mm -hmm. um, but many times it was like, once they got there, you were going home yeah. uh, and there, there just wasn't enough time to kind of go the next steps of more intentional discipleship, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I was a big advocate for a while of, we need to do more discipleship camps that are kind of what comes after something like a Steubenville conference or a big, you know, uh, conversion retreat. And so there are different places that were starting these things and then invited me to be a part of, part of them. 
and in, in one of these places, uh, we, we actually had a vision for how could we empower kids to evangelize and witness and be, become, you know, kind of those bold witnesses to the faith. So we would, we would start the camp at the beginning of the week. And I, I was typically the front end of things because I would typically teach on prayer. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, the second, the second day, uh, you'd start shifting a little bit to sharing your personal testimony and sharing your faith with other people. And, and then into the third day, we'd start talking about how do you pray with people and how, how do you, how, how do you minister to, to a person? So for, for everything you did, there was a, there was a teaching and then a lab. So every, every topic, every session there, there would be, we would impart some information, but then we would practice and have them doing what we just taught them with each other. Um, and, and so the, this one week, uh, we had set up to do a night fever event, uh, which are, are you familiar with that? No, uh, uh-uh. sounds fun. They, 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 they kind of started over in Cologne, Germany after the World Youth Day event that was over there with Pope Benedict. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but now they kind of happen in dioceses all over the world. But a, a night fever event was you just went to like a downtown church exposed the blessed sacrament on the altar, lit a bunch of candles, had some people doing some praise and worship music or some chant music. Mm-hmm. And then you just sent people out in teams of two or three going all around. And it was a pretty easy pitch because you would just walk with the people on the street and just say, hey, Jesus is in the church down there. Would you want to go say hi? Oh, wow. And so, I mean, it was awesome. Uh, like it, it was, you know, obviously you had a certain number of people that would kind of flat out reject you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'd have a certain number of people that would be like, what, what do you mean? Jesus is in the church. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you'd explain, you get into a conversation, they wouldn't go down to the church, but they would talk with you for 10, 15 minutes. And mm-hmm. they'd ask you like, who are you and what are you doing? And why are you downtown? And, uh, but then you would have a certain number of people that would say, yeah, I want to, I want to go there. Mm-hmm. And they, you'd walk them back to the church and walk them up, you know, in, into the, um, into the sanctuary where the blessed sacrament exposed on the altar, you know, and we, we had some really powerful experiences with this. Uh, and and at, and at this point, I'm, I'm not doing any of the talking, right? Like we've been teaching these kids all week mm-hmm. how to do this. And so now they're, we're, we're just walking with them to make sure that somebody doesn't get kidnapped or <laughs> beat, beat, beat up or something. Right. And, um, but we're, we're just there, you know, as an adult presence, but they're doing everything. And so we, we had a group of kids that, that talked to these two women and they wanted to go see Jesus. And they kept asking, like, what do you mean he's there? And so they're trying, they're trying to explain in 16 year old language, you know, Jesus and the blessed sacrament and did a phenomenal job, actually, you know, that this is what, this is what we believe. We believe he's truly present. He's really there, his body, blood, soul, and divinity. You know, so they're trying to explain this concept to these women and they just wanted to see it. We, we get over, we get back to the church, you know, like it, it's, you know, probably three quarters of a mile away from where we were. Mm-hmm. They walk up the stairs and when they cross through the threat, the door threshold, one of the women just fainted. Uh, and you're like, you weren't expecting it all. I mean, like she literally walked in and they just collapsed in the doorway. And these teenagers are like, what just happened? Uh, and I, and I'm like, I think she might've just been overwhelmed by the presence of God here. Yeah. Um, you know, and so we're like kneeling down and kind of praying with her and helping her sit up. And, 
Um, you know, so we had, we had a number of amazing things like that that happened. Uh, pr probably one of the most powerful things, there, there was these, uh, a team of two teenagers, a boy and a girl, um, who really felt uh, they, they were talking with this guy in a wheelchair and the, the, the girl just felt this uh, kind of inspiration, I guess, you know, from the Holy Spirit that she was supposed to pray for his healing. And uh, so she just asked him, you know, could we pray that Jesus would just heal you? And, uh, you know, so again, you're, you're there, you're not directly coaching them, you're kind of listening and watching. And so when she said that, I was like, oh, yikes. Uh, <laughs> um, this could go bad, you know. Um, and there were there was other adults and people, you know, leaders from the diocese that that were involved in all of this stuff. But you know, long long story short, they pray with this guy. They he wants to go back to the church to see the blessed sacrament, and so they he he goes in his wheelchair back to the church. A, a bunch of people had to help get his wheelchair up into the church because it, it was elect it was electric wheelchair and very heavy. So it took like six people to lift him wow. up the 10 to 12 stairs to just get in the front door. And uh, when he got inside the church, he stopped and was just lifting up his hands and was just kind of worshiping towards the monstrance in the front of the room. Wow. And then at a certain point, he just got up out of his wheelchair and walked the whole aisle all the way up, you know, with his hands all the way up in the air. But he, he just walked all the way up to the front and stood up there for like 15, 20 minutes, just praising God, you know, wow. in, the mon in the monstrance. And um, there, there was stuff that happened afterwards where people from the diocese, you know, because we, we wanted to be really careful. Like all of the teenagers wanted to go crazy with, you know, sure. this, this miraculous thing. And we kind of put a lid on it a little bit because we wanted to make sure this wasn't some guy that was actually faking and right. just, you know, rolling around a wheelchair downtown. Um, but, I, you know, I guess they, they found out in, in the week or so afterwards that this guy had, a, you know, in, incredible fibromyalgia that had kind of affected all of his muscles and he had not walked in years uh, and with going going to regular physical rehabilitation and vocational rehab, and um, you know since that since that camp, you know, and again this was just a couple weeks later, but he had been he had been back to his doctor and back to his rehab therapist, and he was looking for a job, like he had been walking ever since that night, you know. Wow. Uh, so th things like that, you know, just shows the incredible power of God and the capacity. Uh, that God has to heal. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I, it's been on my heart this past week. Well, I should have shared this too. <laughs> yeah. Um, to like, we have permission for the big asks of the Lord, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, but me and my littleness, you know, I, I just get in my own head or the enemy gets in my head, you know, of the doubts, like what if it doesn't work? Um, that sort of thing. But like the Lord is asking us to make big asks right now, mm -hmm. you know? Have, have you guys heard of that? Um, sorry, this is going to seem like a ran random tangent, but it's not. Have you heard of that book uh, from Christendom to Apostolic Mission? 
I have because Chris actually, uh, had, you know, read it and then he actually spoke about it to our, our small group and, and translated it into married life and stuff. It's really cool. Like, I yeah, have so a little bit about it. I mean, you, you go. <laughs> it's ama- an amazing book. No, nothing new in a certain sense, because, because this is all stuff that we've been talking about for years and different, different people have said, you know, mate, everything from maintenance to mission to forming intentional disciples, right. you know, like a lot of these things over the years are all pointing to the same reality that the, 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 the time of Christendom is over and we're really moving into more of an apostolic age. Mm. But for whatever reason, the way this book articulates it, it, it it's one of the best articulations I've ever seen. Uh, and I, I just, I've been recommending it to everybody. You know, we've, we've given copies to all of our priests and deacons and seminarians. We, we, we just sent out 600 copies to all of our Catholic school teachers and all of our school staff and all of our parish leaders. And um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just a big advocate of the book right now. But, but one, of, one of the things that's fascinating to me is the whole, the whole premise of the book is the, the age of Christendom is over. And this, this time in the church where we, we would think that, you know, the, the, the majority of society is pretty much on the same page as us. Like, that's just over. Yeah. You know, we, we've obviously been experiencing that to various degrees, you know, for the last couple decades, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, Fulton Sheen said in 1974 that Christendom was over, right? Like, well, if it was over in 1974, it's definitely over in 2020. <laughs> um, but my, my point, to, and, and this kind of connects with what you're saying, Kendra, in an, in an apostolic age, like if you look back in the history of the church at any, at any apostolic time, I mean, you could go to the first one, which, you know, the first two or 300 years of Christianity. What, what is one of the key characteristics of those times? An incredible outpouring of the Holy Spirit and demonstrations of God's power. Yeah. Because the vast majority of society is secular and pagan and has fallen off the rails away from God, mm-hmm. they're actually uniquely disposed to be open to displays of God's power uh, because they've kind of given up on it, right? Yeah. And when God can manifest himself like that, it, it actually leads to lots of conversion. Yeah. And so I, I think you're absolutely right. Like, I, I just think these are unique times in history and this this is a huge shift uh you know like the the book says this isn't an age of change this is a change of the ages oh wow we we are entering into a whole new period of history for us that's going to be markedly different than anything we've ever experienced before mm-hmm. and one of those things i think is uh god is god's not only open to the big ask mm-hmm. he's begging us to ask it Mm. Oh, wow. He's begging us to ask it. Oh, that's good. <laughs> you, you got me all fired up over here. <laughs> you see me like this puppet. I, I'm just, so God put it on my heart a couple weeks ago to have this um, Linton series. And that was the message that I kept hearing is like, we are ready for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit for a moving forward towards mission. A mm-hmm. like God is calling us and we wants us to be ready and open. Mm-hmm. I love that. Like mm-hmm. he's begging us to ask. And, mm-hmm. and I just, I want to live like an ounce of the Acts of the Apostles. I just want that to yes. be like, I don't expect us to be like St. Peter and, you know, Paul, but like, just if we could live a little bit of the Holy Spirit, yeah. I mean, there's so much there, so much beauty in our church and in our faith. And like, yeah. we're not tapping into that and allowing it yeah. to 
really change our lives and calls into mission to change other people's yeah. lives. So quick, quick question. Um, so regarding these big asks, so I, I, I get in, in prayer and, and I'm like, I'm going to go for a big ass and I go for a big ass, but then I, you know, slip in, but only if it's your, your will God. Right. So how, like, how do we still honor his will and have these big asks without, you know, me, me like telling him I need you to do this, but does that make any sense mm -hmm. whatsoever? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, th I think the focus shouldn't be on the ask. Yeah. Does that make sense? Okay. Like, I, I think the focus should be on Lord, let me get into your heart. Let me, let me beat with your heartbeat. Oh. Let me have the burdens that are on your heart. Let me, let me share those and, and walk with those. You know, if I spend enough time in your heart every morning, then I'm going to kind of rest in your heart all day. And as I encounter people, as I encounter circumstances, as I go through my day, let, let me respond the way you want to respond. Use, use me. Uh, and then I, I just think it all happens very organically. You know, I, I think there's a way that you can kind of fall into the temptation of, I, I'm, I'm going to start making big asks and I'm, I'm going to kind of throw myself out there, uh, and the whole focus of that, in, in my experience, can tend to, I'm not saying it does all the time, but it can kind of tend to, oh, look at all these great things that I did. Sure, look, yeah. look at all these really yeah. powerful things that happened because, of, because I made the big ask, you know. Right. Um, and I, you know, like, I, I, I don't know. I think G Jesus didn't walk around, you know, trying to decide when he was going to make the big ask of the Father, you know. Like, he just walked around and was himself. Yeah. yeah. And, and he knew if, the father intimately. Yeah. And so he knew what the calling was because he was in his heart. Like yeah. That. As you were just saying that, just the word abide. Um, it, it just, well, I, well, and even, you know, like almost every story where he had one of those encounters with somebody, like, like you look at Zacchaeus. Mm -hmm. um, how did he know that Zacchaeus was going to have a, you know what I'm saying? Like he's, he's walking along this trail and he, just stops and looks up and calls him to come down, you know, and invites himself over for dinner or whatever. Um, and, and like, look at how profoundly that encounter impacted that man, you know, kind of altered the whole course of his life, you know. Right. Uh, I, I think God's inviting us to those kinds of moments, um, but it's it's gotta be all kind of rooted in the right motivation, you know. Mm -hmm and flowing, flowing kind of directly out of his heart, you know? Yeah. Wow. Well, Jim, thank you so much. It's, yeah. it's nearing our time. Um, but you yeah, have been great, great being with you today. Planted, oh, it's been such a delight. You have planted so many amazing seeds that I just need to go sit and ponder oh. and, and, um, just encouragement of just resting in his heart and wow. So many things. <laughs> So yeah, I have so much running through my mind right now. And what I really want more than anything is to head to adoration. Yes. I just want to go sit at the feet of Jesus and bring my kids. Like I, I want to equip our kids. Night the fever. Night fever. Night fever is happening. Like Saturday oh, night. Yeah, like powerful. Like one of the things that I've experienced is um, when it comes to my kids and even my wife, like, I don't know, I've had these intimate, intimate moments where he starts revealing inner things about their hearts to me. Wow. And wow, that's been incredibly powerful. 
Yeah. And it's led to these conversations where I've kind of tested the waters, you know, where I'll get into a conversation with them and I'll ask them about what I've seen. And every time it's like spot on. Wow. And I would have never known these things, right? They're, they're like inner fears and things that they're very, very anxious about. And because I've kind of seen it in prayer, I bring it up to them and they're, they're, because I knew it, I don't know if they would have ever shared this with me. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, wow, this is kind of, uh, it's powerful, but fun all at the same time, you know, for yeah. the Lord to facilitate that kind of uh, deeper emotional connection with your own child. Wow, that's beautiful. It seems like that would be hard to receive, though, at first. I think I would have a hard time seeing the hurts and pains of my mm. children. But then to use it, not use it sounds like a bad word, but to, like, utilize that moment mm -hmm. as a way to grow deeper with them and allow them to grow deeper with the Lord. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's incredible. Wow. Thank you again so much, Jim. Yeah, great being with you guys today. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, this is goodbye. Hopefully there'll be another time because yes. I, I, you are just a wealth of wisdom and knowledge and um, you've really blessed us. So thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Oh, you guys. Who here, raise your hand if you want to go downtown right now, have an adoration night with a blessed sacrament and have our own night fever. Yes, me, anybody, anybody? I just love the idea of saying, hey, do you wanna go see Jesus? Because he's there right now. He is alive and breathing and in that church and you can go and kneel before him today if you want to. He's always available. And guys, we don't have to put on um, an event like that to go see Jesus. You can go today. There are Catholic churches all around that have 24-hour um, adoration or even just a tabernacle on the back of the church where you're welcome to come in and see our King. I hope that you do. I hope that this week in Lent, you can just give your heart to God in a new and different way. If Lent has felt hard for you, it's felt hard for me too. Um, there's times where I feel like I'm failing at it, and there's other times where the Lord just says, rest and abide and be near me. There's no goal that you have to reach. There's no stars, gold stickers that we get for being the best Catholics. God just wants our hearts. He wants us to come into his heart, like Jim said, like to be near him and to follow him. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. We have two of my absolute favorite people on the podcast, Rudy and Katrina Villarreal, and they're going to tell us about how God stirred their heart uh, to start a Honduras ministry and have, how they have changed countless lives since then. And I can't wait to hear from them. All right. Bye-bye.